This is Rory Fry, and you're listening to the Reformed and Recovered Podcast, where recovery and theology mix. surrender or as we talk about in recovery you know the third step of recovery um which i had read from the life recovery bible here let me read from it again which says that we this is the life recovery version take on the third step says we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of god and then um you know when i think about surrender in the third step i always go to Proverbs 3. That's always been a go-to of mine when it comes to the, the topic of surrender. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. That's Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. And I think this would be a good segue anyways to, uh, you know, we could, we had, you know, before we started doing the, tonight we had talked about wanting to share a little bit of personal experiences with kind of maybe a moment of surrender or the moment of formally doing the, doing the third step. Um, so maybe this would be a good time to, you know, kind of transition into that. Um, and I, I, I could, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really just enjoying sitting here, hearing you guys talk. So let me do mine real fast. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, I'll pass it over to you guys and share a little bit of your experiences. Um, you know, cause I've been real convicted lately when it comes to the reform and recovery stuff is I've been, you know, guilty for lack of a better word of focusing on the theological and the philosophical side of this stuff. Um, and not getting down to the, the more nitty gritty or the practical or the applicable side of, of recovery and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I've been trying to do with these, these last few live streams is even if we're talking about something big and heady like the Trinity, hey, let's share a little bit of our experience, how we came to this conclusion or how we, how we came to the view that we're on. So that's why I wanted to get this tonight is so we could kind of share what this has looked like in our lives, our moments of surrender, maybe give some tips on somebody, you know, for somebody who's struggling or looking to surrender or something like that, just to make this more, more applicable than just, you know, discussing theories of surrender or the philosophy of the philosophy yeah. of the third step or something like that. Um, so I always think about, I mean, I've surrendered my life to God quite a few times, but I guess the moment that I formally worked the third step, I'll use that. It was at an AA meeting over in Campbell, California. At actually, Rick, both Rick and I's uh, old uh, old home group, Cornerstone Fellowship group over there in Campbell, California. And it was a Friday night. Uh, I remember that an ex girlfriend of mine. We had walked from the light rail station over on Winchester Boulevard, and we had walked over to the meeting. Which anybody who's made that walk, it. it <laughs> I've made it a 
bunch of times, but it's really not a short walk. It's like, it's probably a two mile walk. Um, but when you're in early recovery and don't have anything to your name, but maybe a backpack and, uh, you know, a skateboard or something like that, that, that's what you do when you go to meetings. And I remember that it was raining. So not only are we, you know, doing the two, three mile walk from the light rail over to the, over to the meeting, the, the fellowship hall, but it's like, it's like intermittently raining on us. And um, we get there, and this is when the Cornerstone group was really small, and it was hit or miss. Like, you'd show up, and there wasn't always a meeting. Or you might show up, and there might be 30 people there. It really just kind of, you know, just kind of depended on the day. And uh, when the fellowship shut down, they had a, they had a, uh, a sign. Rick knows that they had, like, an AA sign hanging above the hanging above the entrance to the built to the meeting. Mm -hmm. If you go into the parking lot, it's just a parking lot. And it's just a, it was a business building. It looks like every other business building on the block. Yeah. So we're kind of wandering around in the parking lot. Like, dude, it says the meetings here, but we have no idea where the meeting is. So there was a gym right next to the meeting in the same building. And I think we asked one of the gym people, like, hey, where, do you know where this, do you happen to know where the A meeting is? And he said, oh, no, I don't know. But I always see people going between those two bushes. There's a door between those two bushes. And I think that's where people go into the AA meeting. And sure enough, that's, uh, that's the, the door into the, the old Cornerstone Fellowship group. Um, yep. We go up there and there's probably only six or seven people. And so we sit down, grab the coffee, all that good stuff. And the meeting, the meeting happens. There's a, there's a recovery testimony and then it's opened up. We all kind of share, you know, do kind of check-ins where we're at and all that fun stuff. Like, like, you know, any meeting that you've been to, they're almost all the same. I know the formats are a little different here and there, but you've been to one, you've, you've been to a few. Um, and I had a conversation with the, the speaker after the meeting and I was having a hard time kind of connecting with this, temporary sponsor that I had and the guy's like oh I'll be your sponsor you want me to be your sponsor I said sure I didn't really know what I was getting into I was a, a couple of days sober here um and he's like all right cool you know are you powerless or drugs and alcohol I'm sure well do you think God can restore you to sanity I said well you know I'm a church brat so yeah I think I think God's the answer to my problems are you ready to give your life over to him I said sure so he says all right hold my hands and get on your knees and say this prayer after me. And he takes me through AA's third step prayer, um, which is a beautiful prayer. And we, we can read it here in a minute. And after we do the prayer, we get back up on your feet. He's like, all right, cool. Well, you just did the first three steps. Um, now, you know, now your next step is going to be to uh, go out and get a blue notebook. It was very specific that it had to be a blue notebook. Um, or actually, no, it was a red notebook. I came back with a blue notebook and he's folded me for that. But, um, you know, he's like, now you're going to start your fourth step. And I'm like, whoa, I just did the first three steps in 20 seconds, <laughs> 30 seconds. <laughs> and that's kind of how it is in AA. Sometimes it's quick. Like I'm doing it in any right now. We're doing the gold, golden green book. And it takes a lot longer. I've been working on the first three steps with somebody since. I came to Texas in February and we're barely finishing up the third step just because we kind of shoot the breeze. And then we, you know, we discuss the steps and it's, you know, it's a real good edifying kind of mutual time of 
I was going to the steps together, or whatever. But I, you know, I, I guess that was the moment though I, that I formally did it that night at the Cornerstone Fellowship Group. Um, and like I said, I didn't have much time, maybe 30 days or something like that. Um, and as quick as it was, it was enough of a foundation to build on. And it's been over 10 years of consecutive sobriety since that night. So something obviously happened. I like to give God credit for my recovery because I'm not very good at recovery as much as I talk about this stuff and read <laughs> it, study it and think about it and obsess over it. I'm not that good at it. And, uh, you know, but thankfully God is far superior to everything than I am. Um, so that's kind of the moment of me formally working the third step and being able to build, you know, being able to build on that moment and have a fuller understanding of, you know, a growing understanding of God and a fuller understanding of the other 12 steps and all that kind of stuff. So that was yeah. kind of my moment of, you know, first doing these, the, the 12 steps or whatever. Um, so with that, yeah, why don't I pass it over to one of you guys, either Rick or Sean, you want to take it from here? Go ahead, John. <laughs> yeah so um you do you just want to you want me to talk about um uh, you know uh my uh the time i surrendered is that basically it just like yeah, a short... surrender formally work in the you know formally work in the 12 steps or anything like that okay um yeah so i'll say um whenever I first surrendered. I, I, I this is so like when I was in the county, I was wanting to take care, take control of so many different things. So like I was locked up for four and a half months in Shelby County. That's the last bit of time that I did. And I remember, um, you know, there's a preacher that came in, and I, I repented and turned my turned my life over to Christ um, as much as I knew of God then, right? And I knew that I needed a savior, really. Um, but I was still, I was still trying to take control of things. Like, so like I started doing these certain things that were asked of me through DHR because I, I really didn't want to lose my son, right? But I was stressing so much over trying to control these certain things, right? Like through from the county. I mean, if you're if you <laughs> If you come to the understanding that you're powerless, it should be in the county because you're locked up. You're stripped of your freedom at that point in time. They tell you when to wake up. They tell you basically, you know, when to use the bathroom, when to shower, all these certain things, right? And so I should have at that point stopped trying to take control of everything. But um, I remember like selling my breakfast trays to try to talk to my, you know, one-year-old son on the phone every day. And um, that was my big focus is that, you know, I don't want to lose my kid. I don't want to lose my kid. I don't want to lose my kid. In all reality, I wasn't even good for my kid then, right? I wasn't good yeah. for my kid. There was, you know, there's nothing that I could offer my son you know, other than the title of dad, right, or the title of father. Um, so I remember praying in the, in the county, and, you know, I'm, it's funny, man, I, I was in work block, and I, I knew a lot of these guys that were in there, but I'm over there snotting and crying, right, when <laughs> good snot cry praise, right, uh, just praying to God, and I remember praying, and I said, God, 
if I will, if I cannot be, I mean, it was, it was, it was really a humble prayer because I was trying to take control of so much stuff. I'm just trying to emphasize this to you guys, but I remember praying, um, and saying, God, please, if I'm not going to be a good dad to my, my son, let my aunt get him. Right. Um, because it's basically like I was releasing that one thing that I was trying to hold on to. I was releasing it to God and saying, God, you're in control of this. You know, um, if I'm, if I'm not going to be the dad, please just let my son grow up in an environment where he's not going to have to deal with drugs and alcohol and all these other things. Right. Um, and I remember that I basically, that was a surrender for me is that, you know, that prayer of saying, you know what, God, here's my kid and you, you do with him as you see fit, you know, and trusting that God would, right. That God would take care of that. Um, and I said, this was a humble prayer. I mean, I didn't even really know it was a sign of humility at that time. You know, it's just that I didn't have any other option. Right. Um, and, um, so I would say this, so I, I, I really want to, um, talk about step three, if that's okay. Is that all right with you guys real quick? Yeah. Okay. So step three, um, we admitted, uh, okay. Um, I made a decision. I made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. Um, I would say that with step three, those first three words, um, made a decision or those first two words. Um, I like the word commitment more. And the reason why is because decisions are fleeting. You know, I can make it, I can make a thousand different decisions throughout the day. Right. I make decisions to turn left. I make decisions to turn right, you know, um, and my decisions can change. You know, I could sit there and say, Hey, you know, um, I'm going to do this at, you know, three o'clock and then something comes up and say, well, I can't do that at three o'clock. So maybe I'll make it three fifteen. you know? So yep. <laughs> a decision is just so, um, you know, in the moment, right. Commitments, yep. commitments are more of a foundation, right. And, um, but I will say this, you know, with this worldview that we have these days, the majority of commitments, even let's say in marriage, are uh, dependent on conditions or circumstances. It's, it's, it's a commitment that's made like some kind of contract. And if X, Y, or Z happens, then that contract is made void. And, and, and so like commitments don't really even mean that much that more it this more you know it doesn't even mean that much anymore these days right it's like you know basically okay i'm gonna go to meetings as long as you know my girlfriend goes with me or i'm gonna go to meetings as long as you know my wife doesn't take me off and then make me want to drink anymore or i'm gonna stay married to my wife as long as she loves me and and so like you have all of these uh exit clauses that you create in your mind so that you can justify bailing and that's what we have these days is a spirit of bailing out when things start to try to get hard you know it's like we want to we want to cut and run i want to beat feet whenever you know life happens and and so that's why i like commitment when we understand what commitment actually is commitment is you know having a form of integrity and saying doing what you say you're going to do 
uh, that's one of the big things that we try to instill in the boys at uh, Royal Rangers is if you say you're going to do something, do it no matter how hard it is, you know, Um, because we need that new generation to understand what integrity is. So made it made a commitment to turn my will, my will. So let's say um, my will, you know, what is will? It's it's. if it's what moves us, right? You know, our yeah. heart is made up of mind, uh, uh, or my heart is made up of uh, will, emotions, and um, oh man, I can't even think right now. Uh, um, anyways, you're you have a will in your heart, right? And and your will is um, it it is directed towards um, you know your be what what your what your what you're going after right so basically if i'm living in if i'm living in substance abuse my will is directed towards that substance abuse that's what i'm gonna go and i'm gonna seek that out i'm gonna sell everything that i got to go and get high right yeah my will is towards that um and and that's really what we have um in the nature of adam is that that nature of sin right you know mm-hmm. our our we have that nature of adam and you know we we don't we don't dwell on the things of god you know in the nature of adam we don't dwell on those certain things and so when we release our will over to god it's that we're coming into relationship with him and i'm not no longer calling the shots or <laughs> the sin in my life is no longer calling the shots rather God has given me the ability through his grace and his mercy to make decisions that are pleasing to him, to be obedient to his word. Those, so God is calling the shot through what? His revealed word. Um, so my will and lives. So like, you know, basically you see that, you see that first initial surrender in step three, right? Saying, okay, I'm making a commitment to God, but then they don't leave it there. They say, this is a daily thing. So my life means my life. That means that every day I'm surrendering my life to God's will. Yep. And so it's, it's, it's no longer my will, but it's God's will. Um, and so this isn't just a, there is an initial saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to make this commitment, but it's a reinstatement. It's a daily repentance, daily surrender saying, okay, um, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give this to God. And so, and I would say this surrender doesn't mean happiness. It doesn't mean that, um, you're going to be happy all the time, you know, rather my, my, uh, my surrender is, um, you know, happiness is, is dependent on circumstance, you know, you know, if I got a good job and I'm making a lot of money, um, you know, more times than not, I'm going to be happy, you know, um, but happiness doesn't mean sobriety either, because I've known a lot of happy people that go and get high because they're happy. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. um, so, so instead joy, joy means something that it, it's fixed in place. It's fixed in a hope. And my hope is fixed in Christ, right? Yeah. Because there's a hope of his coming. And when I see him, I'm going to be perfected, right? I'm going to, when I see him, um, you know, I, I have an inheritance, which is, you know, God himself. I have that inheritance where I'm going to be able to um, live with him joyously um, from all eternity. So all sorrow and, and, and all this sin and stuff is going to be separated. So 
but we don't see that perfection on this side. So like what I'm saying is, is that you don't have to, you don't have to be happy to be sober and you don't have to be happy to surrender. That's what I'm saying is that you can be depressed and still have a fixed hope on something. And I'm, I'm going to leave it at this. I'm going to read, um, I'm going to read this real quick uh, um, verse right here because, you know, I think Rory and Leah is going to do something on depression, but um, you know, we have Christians and we live in a world where, you know, circumstances kind of weigh us down, but we still have a, a joy about our circumstances because it's not dependent. You know, it's actually set in the reality of Jesus Christ himself. Right. Yeah. And so, um, this is this is what I wanted to read. Um, and this is one of my favorite Psalms, is Psalm 42. In verse 5, it says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remembered you from the land. So, like he's remembering God, right? He's remembering the promises that God has given him from the land of Jordan and Hermon. Deep calls deep and the roar of the waterfalls. So like he's lifting up praises to God at this point. By the day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me. A prayer to my to the God of my life. I say, God, why have you forgotten me? So he's he's asking God, where are you at? Where are you at? Why, why do I go on mourning? And because of the oppression of my enemy. And, you know, my pastor said this one time. When we look at enemies, you know, I think it's okay, and he thinks it's okay to see that there's a spiritual war going on right now, right? And and those enemies can be, you know, the enemy sending attacks. There's trials, there's tribulations, there's times where we give in to temptation, right? Um, but uh, I would say that our hope is fixed in God because he goes on, he says, why are you cast down, oh, my soul? This is verse 11. And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So there's that continual relationship with God. So that's all I got. I'm sorry. I hope that made sense. And uh, yeah, a lot of sense. all right. No, that was good, man. Yeah, I definitely like your little take on um, making the commitments. Because um, yeah. that made me think about... Uh, Sorry, I'm trying to pull up Proverbs 3, the text I read from a, a better, or, or diff, let me say a different translation. The New Living Translation is okay, but um, some of them actually use the word commitment. It's not the NIV. Maybe it's the King James or the ESV, but in that Proverbs 3 text, it talks about committing your way to the Lord. Um, so I do like that you brought in that idea of commitment into the third step there. And I'll say... Can, can I say this too? You know, I want to say yep. that guys, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I get on here and I do videos because dude, it helps me learn. That's why I do videos and stuff because I really want to sink these things into my heart and my soul. But in all actuality, guys, just to be really transparent with you, I'm working a step four right now. And Rory is my mentor. He's my sponsor. And so like, I'm working these, this fourth step with Rory. I'm not going to get into all the details, but so, like, this is a guy that's sitting here that's trying to work this program, right? And I'm saying that, hey, you know, there's all these crap going on at home, and, you know, my emotions get within me, 
but you know, by God's grace and mercy, I'm reaching out. I'm reaching out because you know what, guys, you can't do this. You cannot the church life, the recovery life. You cannot do it alone. You've got to reach out and you've got to seek outside of yourself because if you're dependent on, if, if you're saying, okay, I got this, you're your higher power. That's all I'm saying. You're, you're relying on self rather than looking outside of yourself because all those voices in the recovery community, all those voices in the church, they're not seeking out to destroy you. Rather, they're seeking to see that you succeed. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, but I mean, well, I was talking with Leah beforehand. I don't know if this got cut off earlier, but Leah's someone else that we made we made videos with in the past and getting ready to, uh, you know, do some more stuff with her or whatever. Um, but I told her, yeah, me and Sean are going to do a live stream tonight. And she said, oh, what are you guys going to do tonight? I said, surrender. And she said, oh, that's a, that's a big topic. I said, well, doesn't mean that any of us are good at it. It just means that, uh, it means that we're going to be talking about it tonight. Um, and everyone on this live stream, I'm, I'm confident to say that we all know that there's a, a lot of room and improvement and a lot of room to grow, to grow in this area. It's a, it's an everyday thing. It's a daily thing. We're, we're learning to trust God. We're learning to walk with God more and more every day. And that's why I feel comfortable doing a live stream like this with you guys, because neither one of you are going to be like, no, I've surrendered perfectly to the Lord. I don't ever, I don't ever struggle with that. <laughs> but right. If I like, said that, I'd be a liar. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, yeah. Can, I mean, I've worked with all y'all. No. <laughs> I've heard all your guys' darkest, deepest secrets, you know? <laughs> the fourth step, um, you know, the, the fourth step is, is, is really the tr uh, transformative step to um, where, where our conviction basically from that results from the third step, you know, starts molding itself and to show us our, you know, in my opinion, the, the fourth step kind of like starts transforming and shows us our sin. It, yeah. it really, really does show, you know, and, and you know, in the rooms of AA, we call it character defects. It's just sin. It just like you, you know, to your point, you said earlier, Sean. It's it's sin. I mean, that's the word for it. Um, and uh, you know, and and we need to, and that surrender process is, it's 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 daily. It's different every day, um, depending on you know what 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 the issue is. Sometimes I call it, uh, you know, um, same problem, new people. <laughs> right <laughs> um and uh it's it, and i'm always you know one of the people in, in that problem and i have a part in everything that i do and i have to confess um you know what what my part is um on the daily uh absolutely on the daily um you know for me the third step you know it, it's it's funny before I actually even set foot in the room of recovery, um, what happened to me, I, I, uh, you know, that, that I don't know how many times, you know, during the course of my alcoholic addiction, um, did I spend hungover in the shower, basically just almost like lying down in the shower, either on my knees or in the shower, just 
feeling completely and totally just hit by a truck from being hung over just the physical addiction of, of, of alcohol. And I remember praying all the time to and asking God to let me be able to drink the way I want. Every single prayer that I had was me telling God what to do, right? I wasn't surrendering anything. I was just asking him to change the rules for me. And, um, and, and one day, you know, through, through, you know, the grace of God, I woke up without wanting to drink anymore. And, and really just like the desire was gone. I, I didn't want to drink anymore. That, that craving was gone. And I had a, I had a very specific thing that I had to do with my kids that day. What God was showing me was what was being shown to me was the physical addiction of alcohol and just how much of a master of, of my body it had become and really, really how much it had become, you know, a, a mini God in my life. And, and, um, and I ended up almost going the whole day without drinking, um, to a point where I was heading into like uh, seizures. I was going to, I was going to head into seizures and I was so prideful and I was so miserable and prideful that instead of doing the right thing, which is I was home alone with my daughter, my teenage daughter, instead of telling her that I needed to call 911 so I could go to the hospital so I could get the proper treatment. I lied. You know, I basically just, you know, I didn't say anything. Um, she was in bed and I just, I, I basically just turned a bottle of whiskey upside down and um and as I was doing that this revelation came over me that said you know I'd rather die than drink another day this way this is this isn't working anymore and um it really really hadn't come clear to me yet but I woke up that you know and I passed out because I drank pretty much the whole thing and I woke up that day the next day thoroughly convicted that I needed to get into treatment and I needed to get into recovery. And I went to Kaiser, I went to Kaiser hospital in Santa Clara. And, um, you know, I, that was the first time I had mentioned and I surrendered, um, to my addiction, to my sin. Um, I, I, this, my, my, my condition of my alcoholism. And I basically told the girl that I'm an alcoholic. They got me into a room and they, they basically, I was in bad, I was in pretty bad shape, but I, I felt way better, you know, in days prior to that. And, you know, blood pressure through the roof, the whole thing. Um, and they told me, you know, you're in really bad shape. We wouldn't be surprised if you had a heart attack or a stroke today. And, um, you know, we're doing everything that we can, you know, you're, you're in bad shape. And I remember having this, you know, probably just like, you know, exhaling self-will and inhaling God's grace. And what just washed over me was, um, the, was the need to reconnect with, uh, you know, with, with, with Jesus. And, and what my prayer was, was I didn't even pray to be sober. I basically just said, uh, God, I'm, I'm done living for me because when I live for me, I, I don't do a good job. And I just want to serve you. I just want to, I just want to live for you now. Cause I, uh, I, I, I'm worthless without you essentially. Um, and you know, within, within minutes of that prayer, I had a clear path to AA. Um, you know, they got me, me an appointment to go to Kaiser CDRP. 
I went into AA, you know, several months later, I ended up finding Rory. Um, and it was that total surrender that I had in that hospital bed. So in that hospital bed, I went through the first three steps. When they told me that I might die that day, it was like, I've been living in, you know, you know, I've been living in self well, I've been living in sin. Uh, I've been ignoring the, the things that God has put in front of me. You know, um, I keep, I kept on thinking about when, you know, when you read, um, when, when in, in, in terms of, I think it's in, in Romans, uh, where, you know, Paul says, and God gave them over to their sinful desires. Right. And I felt, I kept on thinking that was I one of those ones that God gave over? Did God give up on me? Did God, God just basically just turned me over to my sin. And, uh, and that wasn't the case. Um, and so, uh, you know, ever since then, and that total surrender of basically saying, look, I don't know what this looks like, God, but I can't live for me anymore. I have to live for you. I have to live according to your will. I have to pursue your righteousness, uh, Jesus, not, not, not anything else but that. Um, and that was the 180. And ever since then, it has been, you know, searching the scriptures. It's been studying the scriptures. It's been, you know, God has, has done, you know, some, some things for me and, and almost on a daily basis put me in my place because of the fact that, you know, he wanted me to not, um, you know, I, I, and I needed to be, and I, and I think of, um, and for me, uh, I think about, um, uh, in second Corinthians, uh, chapter 12, and I'm going to start with, uh, verse eight, Paul's writing. He said three times I pleaded with the Lord that it, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all of more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I am content with weaknesses. I am content with content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for when I am weak, then I am strong. And Paul's specifically talking about this thorn that was, that was, and, and it's still not really, really clear what that thorn was. It, it could have been blindness. It could have been, uh, he could have had extreme headaches. Uh, they're they're talking about this was given to him by Satan. Um, in Second Timothy, Paul is talking about um, how uh, Alexander, the metal, uh, the copper, the copper, uh, the coppersmith, uh, was persecuting Christians, and he, you know, apparently probably uh, beat the the tar out of Paul. Um, and he said he's you know horrible to him. Um, he, and I believe that, you know, and I, you would almost liken this to what, you know, what happened to Job. Um, and, and I, and I think that if I look at Paul and his previous life before conversion, um, he was a Pharisee, he was persecuting Christians, he was doing all these things, and you actually think of a man who is actually like emboldened in his own self-righteousness as a Pharisee. He was, he was um, uh, and I think that whatever happened to him from an ailment perspective needed to happen to keep him grounded. You know, that was that's my that's my that's that's how I how I how I see this 
where, you know, basically God said, my grace is sufficient for you because you would be, you wouldn't even be here. Uh, if it wasn't, if, if it wasn't, you wouldn't be in the position that you're in. Um, and it's all about me. They basically God saying, this is all for my glory. And your weakness is, is also, um, your strength. And so, um, you know, I think about that and it really blows my mind how, you know, he had these, these revelations where he would pray and the answer would come back. And like, to your point, Sean, he probably didn't like the answer that came back. He probably wanted the ailment to go away. He probably wanted whatever it was that he was going through to go away. But that's not what God had in store for him. And what did he do? You know, after, you know, and, and what did Paul do? He continued in his life of servantship. And he would always say, you know, he, and, and what he did, he always admitted, I am a sinner. You know, I am, I am a sinner. And uh, he was always, for me, the role, the model of, regardless of what's going on in your life, that constant daily reprieve that we have to surrender for uh, the glory of God. And, and that's what, and to me, that's what it's all about. And then, and then, you know, taking it a step further, um, if, if you read uh, in, in second Timothy, uh, you know, chapter four, where he's, he's, he's literally, I believe he's maybe a day or a couple of days away from being beheaded. He's going to, he's going to go and get beheaded. Um, and he's, he's writing his letter to Timothy and he, you know, in chapter four, verse seven, it says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Um, now there's in store for me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will reward on me that day. And not only to me, but all also to all who have longed for his appearing. And, you know, he talked about if, if there's anybody that could, should complain. It's the guy of, you know, lifetime of servantship. He's been, you know, beaten to the point where he's probably, you know, has a, a, a large physical ailment. Um, he's uh, had, had uh, a very, very tough life. And this kind of goes to what Sean was saying about joy. He was writing letters to guys in jail, telling them to be joyous, to rejoice. And so um, that joy, there's a big difference, you know, like, like it was said, there's a big difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is temporal. Happiness is, you know, it's, it's, it's because I, you know, I got a cool shiny thing or, or I got a good, um, you know, everything's going good with my work. Things, things aren't working um, in opposition to my life right now. That's, that's happiness when, you know, the smooth, the smooth waters. The joy that I feel is, regardless of what's going on uh, on the outside, if I do have what rough waters, if I do have storms that are happening, the joy comes from the promise and the covenant of the cross. And that's a beautiful. That's a beautiful. That's a that to me. That's what gives me, um, you know, a lot of uh, motivation uh, on a daily basis. And I have to remember, like, you know, Spurgeon said, you know, the more um, 
the more I, I realize the cost and the weight of the cross, the more and more I am amazed every day that I am saved. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but I think that's, 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 that's how I feel this is, you know, on a daily basis, the reprieve is I can't believe that God has given, given me this grace because I am a wretch. And, uh, uh, and that is, you know, for me to, you know, surrender every day to say, you know, God do with me as you will. And, and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm okay with it, whatever happens today. Um, so that's, that's kind of, that's, that's my little spiel. That's, that's how I'm kind of interpreting surrender. And that's how I live with surrender every day. Amen. That's awesome. Now, both of you guys had some awesome stuff there. <clears throat> I wanted to, uh, and I think this ties in great with what you were just saying, read the AA's third step mm -hmm. prayer. This is from page 63 of the AA, the AA book, or the AA basic text, the big book. <clears throat> it says, we're now at step three. Many of us said to our maker, as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those that I would help with thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. Then he says, we thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready. And I think that kind of ties in with what, what Sean was saying about it's not necessarily a decision, but we're making a commitment to you know, to remain in recovery and grow in recovery. Yeah. Well, before taking this step, making sure we were ready that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's powerful, man. It is powerful. Very powerful. You know, if AA was trying to write a non-religious book, I don't know why they went and wrote the most religious prayer that they possibly could. With the <laughs> vows. It's like, come on, man. The King, is this a King yeah, James prayer? Is... <laughs> but yeah, no. I, when, when both you guys were talking and I was kind of thinking about you know, a little bit of my background too, and there's differences between the three of us or whatever, but we all, we all come from different backgrounds. Um, and we all had different processes of, of coming to believe and coming to surrender and, and entering into the recovery process and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yet we're all here and we're all talking about a common thing and we're having our lives changed by a common thing. And that to me, that, that, that's so awesome. Just the diversity in the backgrounds of everybody that is, that's involved in the worldwide recovery movement however you happen to understand that or interpret that and that to me is a testament of the grace of god that we can come from these different backgrounds different experiences uh like rick was talking about you know you were having the medical problems and stuff there i never really had that that wasn't my thing um i made bad choices dumb choices stupid choices when i used drugs and alcohol and i couldn't get a life going. That was my big thing. Yeah. Um, and then Sean in a jailhouse, missing his kid, that being the kind of catalyst to launching him into recovery. That wasn't, that wasn't my experience, but I know plenty of people who uh, 
you know, that has been their experience. Yeah. Um, and as different as we all might be, we are rallied around this common thing that says that I have these issues in my life and I recognize that I need God's help to tackle these tackle these issues in my life and that surrender is the only thing you know what I mean that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna help me solve these problems in my life yep so in recovery meetings you'll kind of hear talk about people who normally don't mix I, I think that's true I look at most of my friends and the people that I talk to on a regular basis if it wasn't for recovery I wouldn't talk to these people you know what I mean like, yeah some of us were, were 20, 30 years apart in age. Mm-hmm. I've never even met Sean in person before, but we do yep. our live streams. We work together. We, you know, we do all this stuff together. I've never even met Sean. Sean's a country boy. I'm from the city. People who normally wouldn't mix, but yet yep. we're rallying around this, this reality that, you know, we're broken, we're beaten. We cannot manage our own lives and we need to surrender so that we can have life. I, I, I don't know. That just kind of dawned on me right now and how, how beautiful all that really is. It is beautiful. It really is. So is there anything you guys wanted to say before we start wrapping it up? Or? No, I just uh, looking forward to, you know, I'd love to do more of this with you guys. Yes, sir. On a regular basis. Sure. Oh, yeah. We're, we're always ready and willing to do something. So, yeah. <laughs> Are you there? still there, Sean? Did we lose? He's just muted. Did we lose Mr. Gregory? No, I see him. I was muted. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, we need to do we need to do a uh, show on the topic of like blended families or whatever. I know that we had been playing around with that for the last year. It seems like, and um, I'd like to get on that, man. That would be a great topic to discuss. I do have a closing remark, though. Um, sure. I would say that anyone that's toying around with, um, you know, surrender or, um, you know, the recovery, you know, I mean, you, I mean, you might be using right now. Um, I would say that God meets you where you're at, and that um, even while you were yet a sinner or still a sinner, Christ died for you. So what does that mean? That means that even at your deepest, darkest place, God has met you where you're at. If it, if indeed, you know, you do come to believe, right. And, and that's the thing is that, you know, um, have I had enough? And I've heard it said at our recovery meeting, everybody can, everybody can pick their rock bottom. Everybody can pick their rock bottom. When you say, Hey, you know what? I've had enough. That could be, that could be, I mean, and, and the thing about rock bottom is, is that, you know, um, not to say that everything's going to be perfect, but, you know, when you hit rock bottom, the only way out is up, right? And yeah. um, so um, that's my suggestion is, is that if you're toying around with it, there, you know, there's no special prayer. It's just you getting real honest, that how acronym, honesty, open-mindedness and willing willingness and and that's the thing in the recovery community in in, in itself is that you know you got to get for for you to be open-minded or willing you got to be honest where you're at honesty is the big thing so that's all i got to share and um 
Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be quiet on that note. Yeah, that's good, man. That's uh, couldn't say anything any better. And I think uh, you know, surrender. You know, I've when I come into the room, when I've come into the rooms, I've heard those people, especially you know, Kate taking kind of a prideful stance, and they'll say, "Well, you know, surrender's not in my vocabulary." It's like I don't know, like. And I used to say stuff like that too, right? Surrender's not in my vocabulary. It's like, I don't know how many times I woke up saying I'm not going to drink and then I ended up drinking. Turning that magical, making that magical left turn into the into the liquor store, right? That's surrender, right? That's I'm surrendering to the enemy. I'm yeah. surrendering to the enemy of alcoholic addiction. And uh, so whenever I hear that, I just kind of say, well, have you ever, <laughs> we surrender all the time. We surrender to, to uh, master either the, the drug or the drink or, or whatever. And, and as soon as, you know, the bottom is when you stop digging. And so uh, God will meet you right there. God will meet you right there. And even, even when you don't stop digging, God will still meet you. You know, God will still meet you there and he'll help you put down the shovel. Amen. So, that's what I got. All right. Well, guys, one of you guys want to pray us out? Everyone's always silent when it comes to prayer. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. All right. Lord God, we thank you for this time that we have together, Lord. We thank you for this fellowship that we have. I thank you for these gentlemen that, uh, that uh, you brought them into my life, Lord, and um, I just uh, praise you for this time of fellowship that we had. Thank you so much for the uh, amazing grace uh, that you've given us and, and this reprieve that we have um, where we could uh, stand where we are and uh, give you all the glory and worship you, Lord. Uh, I pray for the needs of our families, Lord, that, uh, that you would uh, provide us strength, uh, Lord, uh, guard our hearts and our minds. Uh, Lord, that we would uh, focus on uh, your glory, your kingdom, um, and fulfilling that within our homes, within our communities. Uh, Lord, once again, we thank you for the sign. We bless, ask blessings on this ministry uh, that we can reach those uh, out in the world um, that are struggling uh, and that we should be able and can be able to minister that to them uh, to show them the glorious path uh, to you, Lord. Lord. We just thank you for all these things in your precious and only name. We love you so much, God. In Jesus' name. Amen.